We gather this day. We come in search of life's meaning. All of us have moments of weakness and times of strength. All sing songs of sorrow and love. In this time, we turn our thoughts to how we can touch and be touched, love and be loved, forgive and be forgiven, heal and be healed, so that the goodness of our lives is a shared blessing. As we gather together this morning in the presence of the sacred, may we come to know our true selves, finding a fresh impulse to love and do good. These opening words written by Marta Flanagan, they welcome all those who've gathered this morning for our Sunday service. Welcome to those of you who have gathered in person here at Essex Church. Welcome also to all who are joining us via Zoom from far and wide. For those who don't know me, my name's Jane Blackhall and I'm Ministry Coordinator with Kensington Unitarians. And if it's your first time joining us this morning, we're especially glad to have you with us. You're very welcome. Um, perhaps you might like to hang around for a chat afterwards. Um, maybe come to one of our small groups to get to know us better. Drop us an email. There will be opportunities to join in as we go along in this service, but they are very much invitations, not obligations. And if you're a regular here, thanks for all you do to welcome all who come. Thanks for all you do to help us keep the show on the road and for keeping faith with our Unitarian cause during these times of uncertainty and change. We've all got a part to play in co-creating this sacred space, this sense of community, this beloved tradition. So whoever you are, however you are, wherever you are, know that you are welcome with us this morning, just as you are. I hope each and every one of you find something of what you need this day. The service of today, the topic of today's service is to bless and be blessed. Blessing is a part of our everyday language. Someone sneezes and we say, bless you. Someone does something sweet or kind or perhaps naive and we say, oh, bless him. But what does it mean to bless? And how might we adopt a practice of blessing in our everyday lives? But before we go any further, let's just take a moment to settle ourselves to become fully present here and now in this precious hour of peace that we share. We concentrate this, we consecrate this time and space with our intention and our presence. So perhaps put down anything you don't need to be holding, perhaps scrunch up your shoulders and let them go. And let's stop and take a breath. And as we breathe out, perhaps let's release anything that's stopping us from being fully present today. Any preoccupations or worries or distractions we might be carrying with us, let's lay them down and put them to one side as best we can for the next hour. I'm going to light our chalice flame now as I do each time we gather. This is a simple ritual that connects us in solidarity with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over. It reminds us of the proudly progressive religious tradition of which this gathering is part. The light of life shines through the eyes of each and every person. The light of truth shines through each life. So may the light of this chalice remind us that our search for truth and light is ongoing and it's enhanced and nurtured by each and every person we meet. Let us honour the light in each other. So let's take those joys and concerns into an extended time of prayer and reflection now. This prayer is based on some words by Elizabeth Buki. You might want to get comfortable, close your eyes or soften your gaze. Let's say some posture that helps you feel more prayerful, whatever works for you, whatever helps you get into the right state of body and mind for us to pray together now, to be fully present with ourselves, each other, and that which lies within us and beyond us. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being. We turn our attention to you, the light within and without. And we tune into the depths of this life 
the greater wisdom to which and through which we are all intimately connected. Be with us now as we allow ourselves to drop into the silence and the stillness at the very centre of our being. We gather in reverence and thanks for you, ground of our being, source of all good. We're grateful for the gift of another breath and for each precious moment of connection and beauty and truth. Cry it with us in our pain for this hurting world. Remind us that we're loved just as we are. Remind us that we're connected with all that is. Remind us that we do not journey alone. Give us what we need for today and call us back to our promises, our values, our commitments. Help us to love ourselves and each other and to show that love in action. Make us instruments of justice, of equity, of compassion. Free us from all that is evil. Keep us from wrong. For we declare that life and love are stronger than tyranny and fear. A world of beauty and love is coming and we must shape it together. Let's take a few moments now to focus our own loving thoughts and prayers on those who are suffering in our world right now. Through illness or injury, isolation or injustice. And let's also pray for those who care. For those who act and speak to improve the lives of those in need. In a few moments of stillness now, let us call to mind person or a situation who is in need of our prayers this morning. And let us take a moment more to focus our thoughts and our prayers on all that we have to be grateful for right now. All the goodness that persists despite the world's challenges and uncertainties. All the kindness and beauty and pleasure that we've known and witnessed this last week. In a further time of stillness, let us call to mind something we feel moved to give thanks for. Spirit of life, God of all love, as this time of prayer draws to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness. And we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. time for us to sing together um, our first hymn today is a heartwarming old favorite gather the spirit um, for those of you present at the church in person you will find the words on your hymn sheet and for those joining via zoom they'll be up on the screen um, feel free to sit or stand as you prefer uh, and sing along to gather the spirit
On Blessing by Jeanne Harrison Nuija. One of the curiosities in the life of a minister is that we're often asked to offer blessings, to bless marriages, children, animals, meals, houses, public events. These are wonderful invitations to participate in something of deep significance to the people involved. I'll confess that I moved through hundreds of such events before pausing to think about just what it might mean to offer a blessing. David Spangler, a writer, teacher and one-time director of Findhorn, a spiritual community in Northern Scotland, begins his book Blessing with a story. He describes how a woman approached him after a lecture saying, give me a blessing. And He's awed by her request, and although he responds to her in that moment, he then finds himself reflecting on what it means to bless. Who am I, he asks, to stand in the place of spirit and pronounce a blessing? Many assume that you must have access to some spiritual source or have some holiness within you in order for the blessing to have power. Exactly this having holiness within us is central to what many of us affirm about spiritual realities. Whatever there is that is holy, whatever has a spiritual energy, is at least as much within us as beyond us. Spangler in the end comes to this affirmation himself. Who am I to offer a blessing, he asks. Then he answers, who am I not to? And so when we touch and are touched by one another, touched with openness and trust and with good and healthy intentions, we experience a blessing. We may touch one another with our eyes, with our hands, with our words. If this comes from a deep place of authenticity and caring, it carries a wondrous power. The Sanskrit word namaste means something like the God within me greets the God within you and the divine spark within me bows to the divine spark within you. Namaste describes a moment of deep recognition and presence, a moment of spirit touching spirit. Spangler says the same about a blessing that it's a two-way street, not something one does for someone else, but something we become together in order that spirit may flow. What a wonderful concept. Many families do have a tradition of saying blessings before meals or before bedtime, or when they gather for holidays or milestone events. May such traditions multiply and expand as openings for simple moments of spiritual connection. Thanks, Chloe. So we're moving now into a time of meditation. I'm going to offer a few simple words on blessing to take us into a time of shared stillness. The silence will then end with the sound of a bell and then we're going to hear some lovely meditative music from Abby and Sandra. So again, let's each do what we need to do to feel comfortable, put down anything you don't need to be holding. You might want to get your feet flat on the floor if that helps to ground yourself. You might like to close your eyes or look at the candle. As we always say, the words and the music, they're just an offering. So feel free to use this time to meditate in your own way. Please come in, come in, feel free. Henry Nowen once said this about the act of blessing. A blessing is the most significant affirmation we can offer. It's more than a word of praise or appreciation. It's more than pointing out someone's talents or good deeds. It's more than putting someone in the light. To give a blessing is to say yes to a person's belovedness. Words from Henry Nowen. 
So as we move into this time of shared stillness and peace, I invite you to bring to mind some of the people who have touched your life. And as you ponder them, to offer a silent blessing in your heart. You might find yourself thinking of a loved one or a dear friend, perhaps someone you don't know so well, even an acquaintance, or even someone you find difficult, someone with whom you've got unfinished business or whom you're in need of reconciliation. So as we move into a few minutes of stillness and silence, I invite you to hold these individuals in your mind and heart as they come along and offer a silent blessing.
This reading is uh, by Henry Nouwen, whose words I used in the meditation. Uh, he was a Dutch-born Catholic priest, written many, many beautiful books on spiritual matters, and this one comes from Life of the Beloved. He wrote this specifically for a secular Jewish friend who didn't connect with any of his other books who were more traditionally theological, so it's one of his more accessible works. Um, it was recommended to me over 20 years ago now, and it still means a lot. And for context, Nowen was for a long time part of a L'Arche community in Canada. Uh, these communities are where people with a variety of disabilities, including learning disabilities, they live together alongside those who help with their caring needs. This is a slightly longer reading than I would usually use, but I think it's a, a story worth settling in for. So Nowen writes, I'm increasingly aware how much we fearful, anxious, insecure human beings are in need of a blessing. We all need each other's blessings. Masters and disciples, rabbis and students, bishops and priests, doctors and patients alike. Let me first tell you what I mean by blessing. In Latin, to bless is benedicere. The word benediction that's used in many churches means literally speaking, dictio, well, bene, or saying good things of someone. That speaks to me. I need to hear good things said of me, and I know how much you have that same need. Nowadays, we often say we have to affirm one another. Without affirmation, it's hard to live well. And to give someone a blessing is perhaps the most significant affirmation we can offer. It's more than a word of praise or appreciation. It's more than pointing out someone's talents or good points. It's more than putting someone in the light. To give a blessing is to affirm, to say yes to that person's belovedness. And more than that, to give a blessing creates the reality of which it speaks. There's a lot of mutual admiration in this world, just as there's a lot of mutual condemnation. A blessing goes beyond the distinction between admiration and condemnation, between virtue and vice, between good deeds or evil deeds. A blessing touches the original goodness of the other and calls forth that person's belovedness. Not long ago, in my own L'Arche community, I had a very personal experience of the power of a real blessing. Shortly before I started a prayer service in one of our houses, Janet, a member of our community, said to me, Henry, can you give me a blessing? I responded in quite an automatic way by tracing the sign of the cross on her forehead with my thumb. Instead of being grateful, though, she responded quite vehemently, no, that doesn't work. I want a real blessing. I suddenly became aware of the ritualistic quality of my response to what she'd asked. And I said, I'm sorry. Let me give you a real blessing when we're all together for the prayer service later on. She nodded and smiled. And I realized that something special was required of me. After the service, when about 30 people from the community were sitting in a circle on the floor, I said, Janet has asked me for a special blessing. She feels she needs that right now. Even as I was saying this, I didn't know what Janet really wanted. But Janet didn't leave me in doubt for very long. As soon as I said Janet has asked me for a special blessing, she stood up and walked towards me. I was wearing a long white robe. There were ample sleeves that covered my chest and my arms and my hands. And spontaneously, Janet put her arms around me and put her head against my chest. Without thinking, I covered her with my sleeve, so she almost vanished in the folds of the robe. 
And as we held each other, I said, Janet, I want you to know that you are God's beloved daughter. You're precious in God's eyes. Your beautiful smile and your kindness to the people around you, all the good things you do every day, show us what a beautiful human you are. I know you're feeling a bit low at the moment and that there's some sadness in your heart, but I want you to remember who you are, a special person loved by God and all these people who are here with you. As I said these words, Janet raised her head and looked at me. Her broad smile showed that she'd really heard the blessing and received it. When she went and sat down, another person in our community, Jane, stood up, raised her hand and said, I want a blessing too. Before I knew it, she'd come to me and I'd put her face against my chest. Many, many members of the community followed. Perhaps the most touching moment came when one of the care workers, a 24-year-old student, raised his hand and said, what about me? Sure, I said, come. And as we stood before each other, I put my arms around him and said, John, it is good that you are here, so good. You are God's beloved son. Your presence is a joy for all of us. When life is burdensome and things are hard, always remember that you are loved with an everlasting love. As I spoke these words, he looked at me with tears in his eyes and said, thank you. Thank you very much. Words by Henry Now. I wonder how many of you have read Gilead, a book, wonderful novel by Marilyn Robinson. Many years ago, we read it here in the book group at church. It was one of my favourites, though it's been a few years since I've been back to it, probably time for a reread. Gilead is told from the point of view of an elderly congregationalist minister looking back over his life. And in this little passage I'm going to share, he recalls that as an unusually pious child, he uh, baptised a litter of stray cats. He says, everyone has petted a cat. But to touch one like that with the pure intention of blessing it is a very different thing. It stays in the mind. For years, we would wonder what, from a cosmic viewpoint, we had done to them. It still seems to me to be a real question. There is a reality in blessing. It doesn't enhance sacredness, but it acknowledges it. And there's a power in that. I felt it pass through me, so to speak. The sensation is of really knowing a creature. I mean, really feeling its mysterious life and your own mysterious life at the same time. That's from Gilead. So if we begin by asking, what does it mean to bless? We might consider the dictionary definitions. To bless is to make holy by religious right, to sanctify, to infuse something with holiness or one's hope or approval. But for our purposes, I think that notion from the protagonist of Gilead perhaps serves as a better starting point. Blessing doesn't enhance sacredness, but it acknowledges it. And there's a power in that. In that story from Henry Nowen, I, I just, uh, he said, I am increasingly aware of how much we fearful, anxious, insecure human beings are in need of a blessing. Couldn't agree more. So many of us carry around a sense of not being good enough that can creep up on us at any moment. Perhaps in our youth, we heard too much criticism and not enough appreciation. Perhaps in today's socio-political climate, there's increasingly an implicit message that people are only of worth as long as they are economically useful. God help you if you are poor or old or sick or somehow don't fit into that capitalist system. But whatever you do, it can seem like if all you've got to give, it's never going to be enough. Sometimes it seems the whole world, certainly the world of advertising and social media, is queuing up to tell us all what's wrong with us. And the practice of blessing can be an antidote to this, reminding people, everyone, of their inherent sacredness. However, paradoxically, a lot of us seem to feel uncertain, embarrassed or awkward about blessings. Even if at some level we yearn to be blessed, we might find ourselves shrinking back or unconsciously putting up barriers when a blessing is actually offered to us. There's a reading by Barbara Merritt that we use quite often at church. It speaks of a time when she was effusively praised by a friend and the ambivalence she felt at being affirmed in this way. 
she said, I've had a very complex internal process going on within me. I was touched, unnerved, a little sad that I hadn't heard these words as a child. But mostly I became conscious of enormous resistance. Something inside me was not quite ready to let those words in. Now I find that rather sad, but I also relate to it. I remember when I first started coming to this church 20-something years ago, I found it quite unnerving back then when all these strange Unitarians started saying nice, appreciative, encouraging things to me. It was so unlike what I was used to hearing anywhere else in my life. Workplace banter, online mickey-taking. That can so often be critical and undermining. That's the water we swim in. But I felt this strange push and pull between the great hunger to hear kind words and the sense that I didn't quite know what to do with them. I'd rarely experienced that kind of kindness anywhere else because this place was and is a place of blessing. Offering a blessing can be just as awkward, embarrassing and anxiety provoking as receiving one. So we typically save it for special occasions, births, marriages and deaths. And even then we tend to devolve responsibility for blessings to specially appointed ministers. Barbara Brown Taylor, an Episcopalian minister, has written something about this phenomenon. She says, I think it's a big mistake to perpetuate the illusion that only certain people can bless things. There remain a great many people who excuse themselves when asked to pronounce a formal blessing. They're not qualified, they say. They're not good with words. They would rather jump off a high diving board than try to say something holy in front of a bunch of other people. My guess is, even if you ask them to bless something in private, thereby separating the fear of public speaking from the fear of pronouncing a blessing, they would still demur. If you're one of those people, then only you know why. All I can tell you is how much the world needs you to reconsider. I wonder if this reluctance is because on some level, we know how important it is how powerful a blessing can be, and we don't want to be the one who messes it up. But we can't afford to leave it to the professionals. We need all hands on deck. There are so many people in this world in need of a blessing who are fearful, anxious, insecure, and uncertain of their own worth. There's nobody but us to do it. To paraphrase Teresa of Avila, God has no hands but yours. Yours are the hands by which God is to bless us now. So we've looked at the what and the why. We can turn again to Henry now and to find out how we might go about giving and receiving blessings. In that story, this young woman, Janet, from the Lash community, she shows us how it's done. She's a good example to us all. She knows she's in need of something and she doesn't hesitate to ask. And then when Henry offers his mechanical sign of the cross, she tells him off. It doesn't work, I want a real one. Janet longs for something that's significant and deep and real. And she's bold enough to ask for it directly. And when he's called on it, Henry realizes he was going through the motions, but at first he doesn't know what's required of him. What is a real blessing? So he stalls and waits to the evening service, but even when the time comes, he doesn't know what he's gonna say or do, but he opens himself to the moment. And perhaps the blessing that arises in the end is a bit of a joint effort between Janet and Henry and what we might call the spirit. There are a few words on the front of the order of service today from Rachel, Naomi, Remen. For those of you at home there with the rest of the text on the church website. She says, a blessing is not something that one person gives another. A blessing is a moment of meeting, a certain kind of relationship in which both people involved remember and acknowledge their true nature and worth and strengthen what is whole in each other. And perhaps the most moving part of Henry Nowen's story for me is the way in which Janet's boldness liberates everybody else in the community to be vulnerable, to show that they too are in need. As one by one, both the supposedly cared for and the carers come forward to receive a blessing, all the same. Although each instance of blessing will unfold spontaneously and uniquely as the spirit moves, we can learn something about the shape or the attributes of a blessing from that story. The first aspect is simple human contact. 
in this case, an enfolding embrace as Henry covers Janet in his big white robes. And for me, this sort of gesture helps to convey something that goes beyond words, something of being enfolded in love, both human and divine. Even though we're often literally pressed right up against each other in big cities, this sort of intentional human contact, offering a sense of comfort and acceptance, that is rare for many of us. And it has become a hell of a lot rarer over the last few years. Lately, many of us have had to weigh up the desire for such contact against the risks that come with it. And for some of us, that dilemma has been agonizingly painful and it hasn't gone away. We might broaden our understanding of this dimension of blessing to something more like presence though, not exclusively about physical touch, but primarily about really being there, being with. And we can authentically be there in a multitude of ways, even when we can't be up close and personal. In the words of John O'Donoghue, when one is in sorrow or pain, touch can be the silent language that says everything. It travels deeper than words can. So its absence is a loss. Second aspect of blessing is an element of personal affirmation, naming the good that you see in someone. In modern life, particularly in big cities like London, many people feel almost invisible. So even to acknowledge they've been seen or heard at all is a significant thing. To name the good you see in another may enable them to see it in themselves and even call forth that quality as they try and live up to your affirmation. I have got an example from my own experience. Many years ago, back in my 20s, um, I was part of a women's group. And on one occasion, we all had to sit in a circle and you had to offer an affirmation, one word to the person sitting next to you to say some quality that you saw in them. And the woman sitting next to me, a woman called Jackie, who I've not seen or heard for probably a decade, she said, uh, creativity, that was the word she offered for me. And it wasn't how I saw myself at all as a creative person. But that affirmation sowed a seed in my consciousness and I've carried that positive notion around with me ever since. I've long ago lost touch with Jackie. But that one word she said, did such a lot of good for my self-confidence and it's inadvertently helped to shape the course of the rest of my life. I just wanted to share that to show that the tiniest act can be a blessing that lives on forever in someone else's heart. The final aspect of blessing I want to name involves a higher dimension. I sometimes think of it as the God's eye view. Because when we bless, we sort of transcend the personal, if only for a moment. Henry Nouwen blesses people with that phrase, you are God's beloved child. And that's a phrase that's very powerful for me. Barbara Brown Taylor says, pronouncing a blessing gets you as close to God as you can get. To pronounce a blessing on something is to see it from the divine perspective. That might be why blessing prayers make some people uncomfortable. A loyal churchwoman once said in my hearing, I don't want to be that important. Yet she relied on me, her priest, to say the blessings that she was unwilling to say herself because she knew they were necessary. Because she needed to hear a human voice pronouncing God's blessing on her. Otherwise she might give in to this insistent idea that she wasn't important that both she and the whole world were without any significant meaning. And if God language doesn't work for you, there's another way to phrase this larger view, one that you might be very familiar with, as it's a foundational Unitarian and UU principle, to affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of every person. is something quite apart from any particular specific good qualities we might choose to affirm. It's saying that regardless of the particulars of our life, whether we've been naughty or nice, we are ultimately worthwhile. That's the one key principle we all share, affirmation of worth and dignity. And as far as I'm concerned, that message is central to our Unitarian good news. So I reckon it would be good for us as Unitarians to make a more conscious practice of blessing. Maybe it won't always feel right to include all of those three dimensions of blessing that I've just mentioned, the human contact or the being present, the personal affirmation, and the taking of a God's eye view. But still, I encourage you to bless and bless freely in a way that suits your personality and the situation at hand. There's no need to be extravagant about it if that's not your style. You don't all have to go out and buy a set of white robes. I rarely feel brave enough to tell people you are God's beloved child, but I often say something a bit more casual and low key, like 
you are such a good egg. And for a lot of people, I suspect that message is going to be easier to hear. Please, please never think it goes without saying. The value of your affirmation may be huge. So many of us are in need of a good word. So in the days and weeks to come, I encourage you to give and receive blessings. Like Henry now, and we might not know exactly what's required of us, but let's cultivate an attitude of reverence, sensitivity and openness, approaching each potential moment of blessing with courage and goodwill. May it be so for the greater good of all. Amen. Let's sing together again. Our second hymn is on your hymn sheet, or it'll be up on the screen, here in this moment's song. Again, feel free to sit or stand as you prefer. Let's see. Just a few announcements now. Um, thank you to Janine for tech hosting today with Ramona in support. Thanks to Charlotte for, for co-hosting at home, to Chloe for reading, to Sandra Abbey for our wonderful music. For those who are here in person, dear Heidi is going to be serving teas and coffees and biscuits in the hall after the service if you want to stay behind for refreshments. Uh, for those who are on Zoom, there'll be virtual coffee again hosted by Charlotte. So just hang around, bring your own beverage. We have various small group activities on during the week, both online and in person for you to meet up. Coffee morning is online only at 10.30 on Wednesdays. There are still spaces left for our heart and soul contemplative spiritual gatherings tonight and Friday at seven o'clock. This week's theme is sacrifice. Possibly less heavy than it sounds, but I don't want to make any promises. In terms of in-person happenings, next Sunday there will be a Green Spirit summer picnic and walk setting off from the church at noon, where you can meet at Lancaster Gate Station at 12.30. Um, maybe have a word with David if you want to know more about that. Uh, the following Wednesday, the 3rd of August, the in-person poetry group will be meeting at 7 o'clock. Again, you can speak to David or Brian or Marianne if you want to know more. Um, all the information about these things is in the Friday email as well. Speaking of poetry, our service next Sunday will be a congregational service on poems to live by, featuring reflections from Brian, Marianne, Hannah, Patricia and Juliet. Um, I think we might repeat that, you know, there's a lot of call for such things. This is a Zoom service, but if you're planning to go along to the Green Spirit picnic, there will be an opportunity to join the service from a watch party here at church where you can all gather around the big screen. So it won't be a proper hybrid service like this, but you can do both. This congregation very much has a life beyond Sunday mornings. We do encourage you to keep in touch, to look out for each other and do what you can to nurture supportive connections. I think that's everything I need to say today. Just time for our closing words and closing music. What does it mean to bless? 
I wonder. To bless does not mean saying magical words and thereby changing the mind of God or altering the course of the cosmos. To bless does mean reminding each other of our gifts, remembering the truth and wisdom in each of us, naming the beauty and goodness we embody and recalling our common purpose here on earth. For the choices we make and the work we do are how we bless each other and the world. May the words we say and the songs we sing name the wholeness we already are and yet still seek. So may the blessings of life be upon us, upon this congregation. May the memories we gather here give us hope for the future. May the love we share bring strength and joy to our hearts. And may the peace of this community be with us until we meet again. Amen.